morning, everybody. It is a soggy, kind of damp Thursday morning, October 12th, 2017. Once again, Mike Lyon coming to you live with the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast, where we take a look at the world of Boston sports and any other news and analysis in the sports world that may have an effect on the Boston fan. And we made it exactly one full day without major Red Sox news, so... I expected that we were going to have a podcast dedicated primarily to the Bruins. Uh, the Bruins lost again last night to the Avalanche, by the way, 4-1. to one. I thought we might talk some Celtics as they finished up their preseason last night. We may might even get into some Patriots uh, as the injury report and, and, and somewhat of a surprising injury report came out yesterday. But we've got to spend almost the entire show today talking about the Red Sox because they make waves again yesterday on a day where their arch rival, the Yankees, advanced to the American League Championship Series. That isn't the biggest baseball news of the day because the Red Sox decided to fire manager John Farrell yesterday, almost immediately after we closed the podcast yesterday. The news came out that the Red Sox were not going to be retaining Farrell. If it had come down about three minutes earlier, then we might have had our first breaking news story on this podcast, but uh, it's, it's, it wasn't to be. That's okay. We'll talk about it this morning. Uh, so that's where we're going to spend most of our time today because that's obviously the biggest news. Why did he get fired? What were the reasons? Was Dombrowski convinced of this? Who's going to replace him? We're going to get into all that. And let me start with this. The news to me is not unexpected. I figured, and a lot of people figured, that this was going to happen in the offseason, that he was not going to be retained, or he would be fired, or he would step aside, something along those lines. It's not in, not at all unexpected or surprising that John Farrell is not going to manage the Red Sox next season. The timing is a little surprising. You thought maybe they'd wait a little bit, but the Red Sox very clearly wanted to go in a different direction, at least the front office did, and get their own, you know, Dave Dombrowski wanted to get his own guy in the manager's seat. Uh, but in any event, the decision not to retain him, not surprising. It had been speculated about for weeks in the media and on uh, on the internet, on the blogs and social media, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not surprising that John Farrell's not going to manage this team. Um... What's my reaction to it overall? I, let me start by saying this. I am not a John Farrell hater. Never have been, never will be. I thought, first of all, John Farrell won a World Series for this team. Let's start, let's start right there. Before we completely castrate the guy and talk about what a terrible manager he was, realize this. He is one of only two men since 1918, so in the past 100 years about, he's one of only two men to win a World Series as the manager of the Boston Red Sox. The other one, obviously, is Terry Francona. He's one of two men to do it. And I don't know how many managers the Red Sox have had in their history, but it's been a lot. At least, you know, Again, since 1918. I'm not talking about anything before that. In the past hundred years, I don't know how many men have managed the Boston Red Sox. I know it's a lot, and only two of them have brought a World Series title to Boston. Him and Terry Francona. So let that sink in for a second. And of course, yes, he did it after the, the, the curse of the Bambino was broken. 
He did it after the Red Sox became this 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 big huge operation that's a threat to win the World Series every year. I get it. I get it. But he also did it a year after one of the worst Red Sox seasons in recent memory. If you remember 2012, that was the Bobby Valentine year. It was an abject disaster coming off the disaster that was late 2011 here in Boston when they blew that that, that big lead in September and didn't make the playoffs. So before we throw the guy off a cliff and kill him for the managerial decisions that were suspect and did not have weren't backed by statistics or, or, you know, good analysis, whatever. And there were plenty. Before we do that, remember that John Farrell did bring them a World Series and it wasn't that long ago that he did it. Now, having said that, I, I realize that we are living in a world of the, you know, we're, we're living in the what have you done for me lately world, especially in, in, in managerial decisions and in managers of your ball club. I realize that. And I realize that the past two years, at least in the playoffs, have been underwhelming from a Red Sox point of view. 2016 and 2017, they were remarkably similar in a lot of ways for the Red Sox. They featured a team that got on a roll or, or played pretty well through parts of August and September, got into prime position to position to win the division, did win the division, and went on a very late season, like last week or so, swoon before getting into the playoffs and laying an egg. And this year's playoff performance was, I'd say, slightly better than last year's. I mean, they won, they won a game this year. They came close to winning game four against Houston. Came within six outs of doing it. But, and so I realized that the playoffs the past couple of years, underwhelming to say the least. I realized the two years before that, 2014 and 2015, were beyond underwhelming. They finished last in the division, I believe, in both of those years. Sold off a bunch of their assets in 2014. I get all that. I get all that. John Farrell's tenure as Red Sox manager was very much up and down. It was not a smooth ride. But it also, it also was not an abject disaster like some people would have you believe. John Farrell, and I, I was thinking about this last night after, you know, I, I kind of processed the news that, that he was not going to be around. How many managers in Red Sox history were better than John Farrell? Again, since 1918, I'm not talking about, over, I'm talking about over the past hundred years. How many Red Sox managers were better than John Farrell? It can't be. It cannot be too many. Francona, obviously, obviously. Terry Francona, by the way, I would say, is the best Red Sox manager in history over the past hundred years. I don't. I don't see how that can reasonably be debated, considering how many guys they've been through. But leaving Francona aside, I'll give you John McNamara. I'll give you Dick Williams. You know. But how many other guys had better managerial careers in Boston than John Farrell did? He won a World Series. He won two division titles. Won 
90 games three out of the five years that he managed here. Now, of course, 2014, 2015, not good years. you got to take that into consideration, too. But there's not that many guys who had better careers in Boston as manager of the Red Sox than John Farrell did. I mean, if you look at the Red Sox history, there, there's just not there's not that many guys that stick out from a manager perspective. And I, if if you've been a, t- a fan of the team for a long time, I'm I'm certain that I, I'm certain that you you could pick out guys who were significantly better than Farrell and, and make arguments for why they were significantly better than Farrell. I get that. I'm not suggesting you can't do that, but what I am suggesting is. On the whole, John Farrell's time here wasn't all bad. It just it wasn't all bad, and 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 I don't. I think it's unfair to lump this guy in with the Grady Littles of the world, and the Butch Hobsons of the world, and the the Kevin Kennedys of of the world, and 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 say, well, he was no better than any of those guys. I think that's ridiculous. It's just it's it's flat out ridiculous. Don't forget, by the way, that John Farrell was the pitching coach in 2007 when they won the World Series for the second time under Francona. Don't forget that. So the guy has made some very serious and very good contributions to baseball in Boston in his tenure here, both as a manager and as a pitching coach. And I'm saying that only because I don't want that to go forgotten. When, when you throw this guy off the bridge because of his bad managerial decisions and bad in-game decisions, don't forget that on a macro level, this guy wasn't bad. He was pretty darn good, quite frankly. So the next guy you bring in has bigger shoes to fill than you think. Now, all that being said, all that being said, I do not disagree with the decision to let him go. I understand it. Uh, I, I, I've said it I said it at the beginning of the podcast, I'll say it again, I am not a John Farrell hater. I think he got unfairly maligned for a lot of the stuff that went down here, but I understand the decision to let him go, and, and I don't necessarily disagree with it. The one overriding concern, or, or overriding thing here, is that John Farrell was not Dave Dombrowski's guy. And as fair or unfair as that that may be, I mean... You see this happen all the time in professional sports. All the time. A new management team comes in, a new general manager, president, ownership, whatever, comes in. They want their own person in that job. And it's understandable in one degree. In one degree, it's not, because if you have somebody who's been really, really successful in that job, why make a change? You know, why why fix what isn't broken? On the other hand you got to have a good relationship between the front office and the manager in baseball. I realize it's been toxic. I mean, the Yankees obviously had their problems when Billy Martin was the manager however many times with Steinbrenner. You know, that's just one example. The Dallas Cowboys were successful when Jerry, you know, Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones basically couldn't stand each other. Jimmy got them two Super Bowls. How about those Cowboys days? Or how about them Cowboy days? You know, it can work. It doesn't work very often. You've got to have continuity between what the general manager is doing and what the, you know, what, what the manager is doing, what the front office is doing and what the manager is doing in the clubhouse. 
that relationship has to be very strong. It's one of the really good, re one of the really big reasons. If you read Terry Francona's book, it's one of the big reasons that the Red Sox were so successful under Terry Francona is because he and Theo Epstein had such a really good relationship. It's the same way between Joe Torre and Brian and Brian Cashman before that went bad. Same thing now with Epstein and Joe Madden. The same thing in St. Louis for so long. You know, Tony La Russa and Mike Matheny thereafter with the guys in the front office down there. These, these successful teams almost inevitably have good relationships between the front office and the manager's job. And it has come out, I mean, if you listen to Dombrowski's press conference yesterday, it was pretty light on the details. There wasn't a, you know, there wasn't a lot that got into it, that went into it, or that came out of it. But if you listen to the rumors and the rumblings and, you know, so-and-so's article and so-and-so's thoughts on Twitter and whatnot, it really did seem apparent that there was a frayed relationship there between Farrell and, and Dombrowski and the folks in Dombrowski's office. And in that case, I don't blame Dombrowski one bit for wanting to let Farrell go. And quite frankly, if the decision was John Farrell's, then I don't blame John Farrell for wanting to walk away. You can't have that. You cannot have a strained relationship between the GM and the front and, and, and the manager's job. It just can't happen. You can't have the GM picking players that the manager doesn't want to use. You can't have the manager putting players in positions that the GM doesn't want them to do. There's just there's there's too much riding. It's too expensive of an operation. It's too difficult to control anyway. So from that perspective, I get it. That's the big reason that I think that is the number one justification for for letting Farrell go. Not the lack of playoff performances. Like not not the lack of well, you got us to the playoffs but you didn't get us any further than that in, in recent years, so we got to let you go. That, to me, is not a valid justification because in comparison to 20 other teams in the league, as a matter of fact, 20, 24 other teams in the league, over the past two years, John Farrell has succeeded. There are more than 20, let's put it that way, there are more than 20 other teams in Major League Baseball that would love to have had the kind of results that John Farrell got over the past two years to win your division in back-to-back -back years. There's more than 20 teams that would take that. And I realize that's not necessarily considered a success in Boston when you've got teams that can that, that, that had the potential to do more. But I don't I don't buy that as a valid excuse to fire him, the lack of playoff success. It just it, it doesn't really hold weight in my book. That said, to, to go along with the you got to have a good relationship. That was reason number one. <clears throat> reason number two, and I, I touched on this the other day, this team definitely underachieved this season. It underachieved. And I realized, look, I, I know I just got done telling you that winning the American League East two years in a row and in 2017 was an accomplishment. I get that. And, they, and it is, and, and they should be happy with it. But... On the whole, the team definitely underachieved. Definitely underachieved. And someone, someone, quite frankly, has to take the fall for that. And, you know, with, with players tied into long-term contracts, this is how professional sports work. Players get tied into long-term contracts. They become the fan favorites in a city. They become the people who you don't want to let go. 
and who you can't let go because you got to pay them in baseball. So the manager has to take the fall. And to some extent, that may be unfair, but to some extent, it's not. And, you know, somebody's responsible for getting the maximum amount that you can out of your players every year. Somebody's got to be responsible for that. Somebody's responsible for running the ship in spring training. Somebody's responsible for, for sitting the players down or sitting guys down and, and, and demanding more out of them. And when you're not getting it, it's understandable that they take that, that a manager takes the fall for it. So from that perspective, I can see Farrell's firing being justified as well. Like he, he, he just did not get enough out of this team this year. I would say last year is a little bit of a different story. Last year, the success was warrant, you know, a, a little bit more surprising. Although that, you know, they had a good team coming out of spring training last year too. They also had David Ortiz, but you know, they had, you got to remember, I, I, I come back to it. They had this year a pitching staff that should have been the talk of baseball. It should have been the talk of baseball. With Chris Sale as your ace, with the reigning Cy Young Award winner coming back and Rick Porcello, with David Price coming off a pretty good year, making $30 million a year, and with Drew Pomeranz as your number four, and look at the season he just gave you, what he's capable of. This rotation should have been the best rotation in baseball. It should have been. I'm sorry. There's no excuse for why it could not have been the best rotation in baseball. And to say it was anything but would be putting it mildly by the end of the season. Someone's got to take the fall for that. And unfortunately, I mean, you, you can't go to Rick Porcello and say, hey, I'm slashing your salary in half because you didn't pitch well this season. You can't go to David Price and say the same thing. Look, you got hurt, so I'm taking some of that money back. You can't, you know, you can't do it. You can't go to Eduardo Rodriguez and say I'm trading you because you didn't have success this season. You, just, you can't do it. Someone's got to take the fall for that. And you can blame the pitching coach all you want. And, and by the way, Carl Willis is probably not going to be here next year either because I'm sure whoever manages this team is going to bring in their own coach, possibly even their own coaching staff. So the you know the pitching coach is is often a byproduct of the of the, the the manager going down too. But someone someone's got to take the fall for for that kind of underachievement. And I know they won 90 games. I know they won 93 games. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's 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 a good season on paper. But it could have been better. And I don't think anybody's going to really disagree with that. It could have been a lot better, and someone's got to take the fall for that. That's how it goes in professional sports, fair or unfair. And unfortunately, as I'm sure John Farrell would tell you, that guy is often the manager. So I'm not a John Farrell hater, like I said. I think he was better than people gave him credit for. I wish him the best. I hope he does very, very well. You know, he, he obviously had the scare, the, the cancer scare this year, or, or was it last year? I forget which, but um, he came through that exceedingly well. I wish him the very best. He was like a nice guy, but I, I, I do, I, I do understand the decision to fire him. I do understand it. Whether I disagree with it slightly or not in terms of timing is irrelevant. I understand the decision to let him go. So the Red Sox now need themselves a new manager. So where are they going to go? 
who's who's gonna get this job and if, if you've if you've read the globe or, or any of the blogs or Twitter or anything like that you, you've already seen a lot of these names speculated I think the one to keep an eye on and I know he's he's been dismissed I know and I know he Dombrowski came out yesterday and said well I like to have a guy with big league managerial you know managerial experience that can help here, the one guy I think that, that you got to keep your eye on more than anybody else is Jason Veritek. And I know that seems to go against what Dombrowski said yesterday. But, you know, everybody's talking about Brad Osmus. I mean, Brad Osmus is, was, was, is being mentioned pretty much everywhere as a guy who could take over. And I don't think that would be a bad decision if they brought in Brad Osmus. Smart guy, was a good catcher in his day. Did okay with Detroit. But, you know, for Dombrowski to kind of come out and say, well, it helps a big league man, you know, it helps a, to, to have big league experience. I want a guy with big league experience as a manager uh, in, in, in my job. Well, Osmus didn't have anything like that when Dave Dombrowski hired him in Detroit. He didn't have anything like that. He, he was managing for the first time. I, so it's 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 kind of hard for me to take that kind of comment seriously from Dombrowski. When he hired Brad, maybe Osmus had managed in the minors. I don't know. But he certainly didn't have any big league managerial experience when he took over in Detroit a few years ago when Dave Dombrowski hired him. So, you know, I, I, I wouldn't take that comment from Dombrowski as anything more than lip service because I don't buy it first of all, and I think Jason Veritek, second of all, would be a great choice. Not just a good choice, a great choice for this team, and here's why. He's around the team a lot. You know, he's been a special assistant for Dombrowski, and I, he had some kind of role for, for, for Ben Sherrington, too. I forget what it was. I mean, they, they've gotten him more involved in the system. He obviously knows the Red Sox like the back of his hand. The players like him. You know, Christian Vasquez has already said that he's benefited immensely from having Veritek around. The players know him. They like him. They'll understand, you know, where he's coming from. He's the type of guy when he, I mean, he was, you know, the captain, quote unquote, of the Red Sox when he was, when he was the catcher there. He's the type of guy who understands what it means to be a player, but is also far enough removed from the game by now that I don't think he would hesitate to discipline a guy or to get tough. I mean, he, he was he was plenty tough when he was a catcher in Boston too. He understands what it means to lead a team, is what I'm I guess what I'm trying to say. So, and you know, combine that with his familiarity with this team and with, with everything that has, you know, with his relationship with Dombrowski, which is apparently already pretty good, I think Jason Veritek would be a terrific choice. And I'm not just saying that because I like the guy personally, and I do. I mean, I, he was one of my favorite players. When when he was on the team, it was impossible not to love the guy, to be honest. But I I just think, and, and look at all the success that, 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 you know, recent catchers have had in in baseball lately. You know, Mike Matheny, uh, Osmus for a little while. 
you know, recent play. Walt Weiss wasn't a catcher, but he had a little bit, little bit of success too. I mean, these guys can do it. I mean, I think if you go and ask Mike Matheny, could Jason Veritek do it? I'm certain Mike Matheny would say yes. So, I think Veritek would be a great fit. I really do for this team. That could use a little bit of a player's guy, but also could use a little bit of order. I think he's a great fit. A really good fit. Now, in terms of the other names that get bandied about, and first of all, it, it, even with Veritek, it's, it's, you know, don't focus on any of these guys, at least at the outset. The, 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 the guy who manages the Red Sox next may not be on, on any of these lists, you know, may not, may, may come from somewhere completely out of left field. So don't focus on anybody and say, boy, I really hope they hire Veritek or boy, I really hope they hire Osmus. I mean, I just, the chances of that are not great, first of all, and don't focus on everybody. Starting with Osmus, who, who a lot of people think, you know, he just got let go in Detroit and he's Dombrowski's guy. He seems to be the favorite in the clubhouse for a lot of people. Uh, I, I get it. I, I think he'd be a good fit for a lot, a lot of the same reasons that Veritek was. Um, remember that he's coming from a very weird situation in Detroit that Dave Dombrowski put him in. Uh, uh, he had a lot of veteran, veteran guys when he started. I think he won his division in the first year. And it, it didn't go as well. He was second last year, and they, they fell off a cliff, obviously, this year and traded everybody. But... You know, I, I, I wonder how he would do with a little bit of a younger team and a younger, better team. Would they respond to him? But I don't think he's a bad fit. If you want to bring Osmus in, he's a very smart guy. Pitchers absolutely loved him when he was a player. He's a, He went to Dartmouth. He's also a New England guy, so he, he understands. I mean, I don't know if he, if he grew up here. If he, he's got ties to Connecticut. He obviously went to Dartmouth. At one point, he had a house on the Cape, so... He's got ties to New England. He understands how the Boston media works. So I, he, he, if, he wouldn't be a bad fit at all. Ron Gardenhire's name has been bandied around. Um, he was the manager in Minnesota for a long time. He was Tom Kelly's bench coach in the 90s and then became the manager in Minnesota. He may have gone somewhere else after he got terminated there. I forget, but most notably was the manager in Minnesota. I'm not crazy about that one. Personally, I no, no disrespect to Gardenhire, who you know had some success in Minnesota as a manager. He's a feisty guy, got tossed out of a lot of games. I don't necessarily mind that, but you need somebody I think who's going to relate to the younger guys. This is a young roster, and you need somebody who not only is going to discipline them, but also can relate to him. I think that that's one of the big reasons Bobby Valentine didn't work out here. You know, that, that roster in 2012 was not as young as the roster is now, but it was getting younger and he couldn't relate to any of them. I mean, he's just this, he was this very strict kind of very just crazy disciplinarian who did well in New York because he had a team full of veterans you know, in the late '90s, that the, the, there was a team full of veterans there that he kind of got to that, that understood his 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 way of doing things. You need someone who can relate to the younger guys. I'm not sure if Garden Hire is that guy. I don't know him well enough to say one way or the other. He just doesn't strike me as that type of a guy. 
So I'm not crazy about the garden hire idea. If you're going to consider Veritech, then you've also got to consider Gary D. Sarcina. But I, I would not expect it to be him. I, I root for him. He's a Massachusetts guy. Played a long career with the Angels. Nice guy. I'm sure the players really like him. But I would expect... I mean, he's currently, if you don't know, he's currently the bench coach uh, for, for Farrell. Uh, but I would expect that if you're going to fire Farrell, you're probably not going to hire his bench coach right after that. Um, it's going to be too much like the old way to do anything. So uh, I don't think it's going to be going to be DeSarcina. Uh There's some other kind of coaches. Chili Davis has been mentioned. I wouldn't mind that at all. I think he's done a nice job as the hitting coach for the Red Sox. Um, but again, you, you're, you're suffering if you're Chili Davis from, from being a part of the old regime. So I don't know if he's going to be elevated to manager and maybe keep a lot of those guys. The other person that everybody's got their eye on is Alex Cora, who is the bench coach for A.J. Hinch in Houston, the team that obviously just beat the Red Sox. And he's a guy that's going to be in demand. Uh, it, it, like I said, there's been some tweets saying if it's not Boston, he's going to manage somewhere. In, uh, in 2018 because there's going to be a lot of jobs open. I wouldn't mind Alex Cora, not in the least. Alex Cora is a smart guy, played baseball for an awfully long time, including with the Red Sox. I think he was on that 2017 as a utility infielder. A lot of guys really liked him. He was productive pretty much everywhere he went as a utility guy. Um, I wouldn't mind Alex Cora. You're going to have to be, be quick with him. I actually think, and I know we're a Boston sports podcast, so we don't want to get anywhere else, but I think Alex Cora is an absolute knockdown, dragout, perfect fit here in Philadelphia for the Phillies, who are also looking for a manager now. I don't know how you could do much better than him here in Philadelphia. They've got a lot of young guys, a lot of young Latin guys who are still coming. Um, a lot of guys who play played similar positions to Cora in the uh, in in when he was in the league, like I said, I, I don't see he, he's young enough where the players can relate to him. And Philly's got almost an, an entirely young roster, but Cora knows the game well enough where he can recommend you know certain veterans guy veteran guys to go out and sign. You know, to, to he's never managed before. Might as well give him a start. You know, where where, where expectations are going to be low. I, I think Alex Cora is a perfect fit in Philadelphia. Absolutely perfect. Uh, but in any event, I mean, Detroit's got an open job. The Yankees still could. I'd be, you know, now I'd be pretty surprised if if they fired Girardi. I mean, Girardi could still decide to walk away. But now that he's got him in the American League Championship Series, I mean, this is a this year has been a resounding success for the Yankees. And I'd be really, really surprised if they want to let him walk. Um, but that job could still come open. You never know. Um, there could be other jobs that open up as well. I mean, there's at least three right now. And I would think, you know, the Phillies, the Tigers, the Red Sox would all have interest in Cora. So, and there may be more that are open, opening too. So I, I think he's going to be in high demand. I don't, I wouldn't mind seeing Alex Cora here. I just don't think it's going to be very easy to get him. Osmus, I think if he wants the job, then I think he will probably focus here. I mean, if, if, if he wants the job and the Red Sox like him and want to give it to him, I think it's probably going to be him. I don't know if Osmus wants the job. He might not want that kind of high-stress environment. You know, he might not want 
the level of scrutiny having just come off a managerial job where he got fired. He might not want to work for Dombrowski again. I don't know. I don't, I don't know his, what his relationship was with him. You know, I would put the odds on Osmus relatively higher than, than some of the other ones just because he has familiar, familiarity with Dombrowski. And if he wants the job, I think the Red Sox would, would... And if the Red Sox want him to have it, I think there's a match there. So I'd give him the edge in the clubhouse, but I, I think this is going to happen relatively quick. You know, I... I, I the Phillies are already, you know, they've already interviewed a few guys, I think, for their jobs. So they want it to happen quick. I'm sure the Red Sox do, too. The Red Sox want to get a manager in here before free agency starts, before they have to start making decisions on players. So I think this is going to happen relatively quick. And, and as soon as they have a new manager, obviously, we'll break it down. We'll talk about it. Once that manager hires a coaching staff, we'll break it down. We'll talk about it. And uh, it'll be interesting to see who they hire. It'll be very interesting to see. There's a lot... I mean, the the Red Sox always seem to have a a high degree of managerial kind of turnover. They they, they hire a lot of managers. And, you know, this year will be no exception. There'll be no exception. There'll be a new manager in the clubhouse in 2018. It will be very interesting to see who it is. So that's our show for today. I know we we got kind of caught up talking about the Red Sox, but that's pretty big news when they fire their manager. So... Tomorrow's Friday. We will do a full Patriots preview as we do every Friday before games on Sunday. We will do our best to get to talking about the Bruins a little bit more tomorrow, maybe a little bit more uh, on the Celtics. Remember, next Tuesday we're going to do a full Celtics preview, uh, a season season preview on the Celtics, so don't miss that. For now, it's Mike Lyon signing off on the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast. Make it a great Thursday. Almost done with the week. We will see you tomorrow morning for the Patriots for Patriots Friday. And uh, enjoy the day, everybody. Talk to you soon. Goodbye.